0: I'm Pete Soderling, and welcome to the Zero Prime Podcast, where we explore the early stories of top startups via the experiences of their engineer founders. Joining us this week is Nick Schrock, the founder and CEO of Elemental. Nick was previously a software engineer at Facebook, where he famously was the co-creator of GraphQL. More recently, Nick is the author of the Dexter Data Orchestration Project, and I think you'll really enjoy this conversation that I've had with Nick. Nick, we've been friends for a while, and it's really great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Yeah, Pete, thanks for having me. For those who are very unlikely not to know what what DAXR is, tell us a little bit about the DAXR project and the problem that it attempts to solve.
1: The DAXR project, we're an orchestration platform. So fundamentally, the purpose of an orchestrator is to schedule and order computations in production for data platforms. So, you know, you create an asset and then you have a downstream asset. It depends on the previous one existing. You need a piece of software in order to orchestrate that so that... You ensure that the right data is there. And, you know, really the core genesis of the project is that orchestration is really at the center of the data platform and engineers spend a lot of time there. And what I saw was a lack of an orchestrator that really considered the full (laughs) development lifecycle. So if you went to existing orchestrator solutions like Airflow or the Kubernetes native solutions, you would see people just grappling with the problem of local development. They just weren't designed with it in mind. And the graphs of compute they were designing were sufficiently sophisticated and complex that they needed that fast development loop. So, you know, even a modestly sized organization, you might have an Airflow instance with. Hundreds of DAGs and thousands of tasks in total. And in order to control that complexity, you need software engineering processes. Uh, The other kind of insight about it was that all these orchestration systems modeled everything they did in terms of tasks. And my belief is that the, the end purpose of the orchestrator is to keep assets up to date, meaning tables, machine learning models, anything that captures an understanding of the world. And, you know, in the end, those data assets, you know, you should really model them as software. Um, And so the, you know, Dagster was built with that in mind as well, uh, both at the beginning. And then we've really transitioned to a more formal notion of that with our software defines assets concept. So because of those two properties, that's why we call it a orchestration platform for the development, production and observation of data assets. Meaning orchestration is a means to an end to develop data assets, um, and we consider the entire life cycle, Hence, the three things.
0: Um, so, Nick, I really appreciate how you're using best practices of software engineering. You know, layered on over the system, and I want to fully understand what you mean by software-defined assets and how those actually work.
1: Yeah, we call it a software-defined asset, and what it means is that when people say data asset, they typically mean a table or a machine learning model, meaning like the physical thing, right? It's a thing that exists in another system. What a software-defined asset is, is a piece of code that represents an asset that is supposed to exist, meaning that you can code up the code that is responsible for producing a table. What that piece of code says really is that this table is supposed to exist. And only when it's run you actually create that table but if you delete that underlying table the software defined asset still exists and you invoke that thing in order to produce the actual physical thing and you know we really take inspiration with this from other domains of software as well so you kind of see these trends right you can think of like in react which is a javascript framework a react component is really a software representation of a dom node that's supposed to exist you know in terraform you know, one of the Terraform software artifacts represents a server that is supposed to exist in Kubernetes. They have these YAML files that represents like a a resource in a containerized cluster that is supposed to exist, and so on and so forth. I would prefer infrastructure as code was instead named software defined infrastructure because actually that's like a more accurate term of what it is in my opinion. And so that's sort of that's the analogy here in the data domain.
0: So that's a really helpful, somewhat abstract definition of what a software-defined asset is. Can you give us an example or some use cases where we can better understand exactly how that's implemented in a real-world system?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to assume that someone knows, has worked in an existing orchestrator, just to kind of make it a little more concrete. So in a traditional task-based orchestrator like Airflow, you write tasks And those are one thing. And then you effectively, in a centralized way, string those together in a DAG, a directed acyclic graph. And actually, DAGster has those underlying concepts. And the software-defined asset is effectively the thing that stitches those together. So when you write an asset, you write a function which determines how that asset is produced, like we Pandas code or a SQL statement, DBT model, whatever. And then that asset within it says what its upstream assets are. So in effect, what that allows the system to do is that it compiles that centralized DAG on your behalf. You don't have to manage that. The system can construct that for you. Then also, you know, the function effectively is an underlying task function. And then it also orchestrates how it interacts with our built-in asset catalog. So. In more concrete terms, right? if you come from Airflow, it means like you're still writing Python functions that consume things and produce things, but the DAG is constructed for you, and then it also manages a relationship with a built-in asset catalog.
0: And so I'm interested in digging in a little bit more into the promotion of DAGster pipelines or DAGster applications from development to production? Because that's another thing that you touched on earlier. Explain to us how that actually works. Is this as simple as, as promoting code to a production environment, or is there, are there other steps involved?
1: So there's two components of this. One is the framework, and one is our cloud platform. And they both assist with this development process. So let's start with the framework. The framework is designed such that the objective is that you can test the body of your code that logically produces the assets without, with, while being able to change your computational environment. So you should be able to do development in your laptop easily. You should be able to load the shape of these asset graphs or DAGs without having to spin up super heavyweight infrastructure like a scheduler or whatnot. As many of the APIs as possible, we design... For, with unit testing in mind. And then, you know, because we sort of separate the environment from the logic, it also is fairly straightforward to make this execute within a staging environment, so to speak, that talks to, say, a copy of data or test data, and then finally to production. And these orchestration and the other orchestration frameworks is actually typically very difficult to write your code in a way such that it's decoupled from a bunch of the assumptions in the production environment. Now, with our cloud platform, I think it gets really exciting because of a feature called branch deployments. And the framework and our cloud platform really kind of integrate and work well together in order to enable this. So how a branch deployment works is that you follow your normal development work. You create a PR or you create a branch, you edit code in that PR and then you push it up. And in Dexter Cloud, we host a bunch of the infrastructure on your behalf, um, or all of it in the case of our serverless product. And what effect happens on every single push into that PR is it creates a new lightweight staging environment that has the code that's only in that PR. And then actually it kind of marries with our framework features. So the framework knows what branch it is executing in and that can point to different test resources as a result. So it becomes this like pretty magical. Experience where before there was a single heavyweight staging environment, often it wouldn't get used. But now there's like this lightweight staging environment created with every PR. That also makes the core engineers faster, work faster. But what's also been super interesting is that it has expanded the number of stakeholders who can interact with it because they can actually code and change Python and see the results without having to set up the local environment itself. Like one of the most magical things, once we got this serverless and branch deployment thing working, I could dog food the product by editing directly in GitHub. And it would, I, I could create a PR in GitHub, edit the code right there, I push up a new copy to a branch deployment. I could test it out and then merge it all in a completely cloud native way. It's, it's totally bananas. So I'm really excited because it's this feature that both makes core engineers their core engineering workflow more productive, but also kind of becomes this focal point of collaboration that brings in
0: stakeholders. Well, that's awesome. I really love that approach to, to deployment. And as for Dextra Cloud, I mean, I know that you've been working on this product for a long time. It must be extremely gratifying to see it in production and kudos on the recent launch. Oh, thanks so much. It is
1: both gratifying, but you know, as a founder, the work is never done. So, you know, you—it's uh, part of the psychology of it. You launch something, you celebrate for about fifteen minutes, and then it's on to the next thing.
0: For sure. Well, I'm sure you have a deep product roadmap of features and and all kinds of other amazing stuff to to bake into the Dextr Cloud product. Um, but tell us what else it can do, because I don't think many people have heard much from you previously about Dextra Cloud because it's such a new thing. So, you know, very excited to to kind of get the dirt on. Um, all the other great features in cloud and, uh, and encourage people to, to go and kick the tires and give it a try. So tell, tell us more about what what Dijkstra Cloud can do.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's um, First and foremost, it is a managed orchestration service. So an orchestrator is a very complex piece of software. You have to have long-running processes to schedule things. You have to have a web server, a metadata database. It's just a very operationally intensive thing. So first and foremost, we host a bunch of the infrastructure. We actually... You can manage it and have a managed service in two different modes. So one is serverless, where it's what we host all the compute on the user's behalf. Now, that's what I was talking about before. And so it's completely serverless, no infrastructure, super easy to use. But that doesn't work for all customers, because tons of customers have to access on-premises systems, and they want to be able to control the compute and the data on their side of it. For that, we have hybrid, where we host the kind of this classic data plane control plane split that's so common in sas so you have a hosted control plane where we host all the stateful infrastructure and then you install an agent on your side and all that thing does is it asks the control plane like is there work to do and when there is it it boots up a computational resource to run a pipeline and then it also is responsible for shepherding the metadata back up to our centralized control plane so long story short First and foremost, it's a managed orchestration service where you offload your ops. It's also a productivity platform because of the branch deployment feature that I talked about. So it also kind of supercharges your development process. And then lastly, we have a bunch of enterprise-only features for doing security, you know, Okta integrations, enterprise support, um, features like that, like kind of modeling more complex organizational needs. And that's our enterprise product.
0: So there's the hosted version. There's the hybrid version, which is the control plane in the cloud. Obviously, some orgs could choose to deploy Dexter on their own on-prem and use it in a, in a production environment. Do many customers do that, by the way?
1: Yeah, we have a ton of users. You know, certainly before the cloud product, if they uh, wanted to use Dexter in production, they'd be deploying the open source version on-prem. So we have lots of, you know, like DoorDash runs their entire ML platform on um, Dagster, open source, just as an example of a name people have heard of.
0: And so just to like explain to listeners, um, is there an appropriate team size that you would suggest a company get to before really diving into the Dagster? Or um, is this able to be used in sort of single player? What do you typically suggest? And what are some of the caveats to, to an organization adopting an orchestration product like this?
1: Yeah, we really think for the vast majority Of use cases and people that you should have an orchestrator built into your data systems from day one. It just has too much utility in terms of a debugging tool. And the moment you build any, like even a non-trivial data pipeline that involves somewhat heterogeneous technologies, you need to order those computations properly. So, you know, we really believe we not only should it be adopted by single players, it has been (laughs) adopted by lots of single players, particularly to the So yeah, we really think it's a should be kind of a from from day one technology. If your data system you project being like you know even somewhat sophisticated going forward, that's, that's even the wrong term. We believe here that orchestration is a table stakes technology
0: for anyone building data pipelines. And based on that, do you think that the orchestrator is going to be its own standalone piece of software in ten years, or do you think it will be? more subsumed into the fabric of of larger data platforms? Like, how do you sort of see the the arc of this particular piece of infrastructure tracking?
1: We certainly believe that it will be a standalone platform and kind of the, uh, the natural leverage point that stitches together all the other different tools so they all work in harmony with each other. I do think there's going to be this interesting uh, desire going forward. You know, tooling system currently is overly fractured and too siloed. I know that provides a ton of great content for you, Pete, because you can talk to all sorts of founders and there's a new tool every week. But for practitioners in the ecosystem who are trying to stitch together their systems, there's just so many vendors and they're doing so much integration work that understandably there's a desire to fix that. And I think there's going to be two different approaches to that. One is vertical integration, where you have you know, the brick stack, and they have their own lineage tool, their own scheduler, their own storage system, all of it. Similarly, the Snowflake stack, and probably each of the cloud providers has their own verticalized stack. It's almost kind of a back to the future moment where back to the days where there was an Oracle stack, an Informatica stack, a Microsoft stack, and so forth. There's a reason why we wanted to move away from that. I think at some level of granularity, practitioners want best-of-breed tools that they can recombine in interesting ways specific to their context. But I don't think people want to get back to this vertically integrated world. The only other approach to making things coherent is having a horizontal integration layer, which is kind of a standard place where different tools can plug into and in a way where the user doesn't go crazy because of the uh, complexity of that. And that's sort of this, you know, I think Ben Stansel kind of coined this phrase, but the sort of like iOS for data platforms, where there's this structure where there's some coherence to it. But within that structure, you can have like a thousand apps on your phone, but you don't. your head doesn't explode because of the complexity, because they all conform to certain rules. They all get organized within a single system and so on and so forth. So that was a very long-winded answer, but some sort of consolidation is coming one approach is complete vertical integration. Certainly a bunch of vendors are going to try to do that. I don't think it's a world that we want to live in. If you don't have that, you need horizontal layers that provide some coherence here. And we really think the orchestrator is a natural place to do that.
0: Well, I love how you're both acknowledging the fact that there is this pendulum sort of swinging motion, and it appears to be moving back towards end-to-end data systems um, to some extent. Yet... You're also defending the orchestrator layer and that that piece of the substrate as potentially continuing to give engineers the opportunity to integrate best of breed point solutions. Um, into their overall data infrastructure stack. So I think it will be interesting to see, you know, from an investor standpoint, it will be interesting to see how this world sort of tracks over the next five years. But I definitely agree with you that orchestration is a great way to sort of give folks the best of both worlds uh, as they're trying to integrate best of tools into their stack. So I want to ask you um, one more question. Nick, tell me about um, what your mental model is when you think about the data orchestration world as a whole, obviously, again, Dijkstra has taken a quite opinionated approach as to sort of your design principles and implementation specifics as to as to how you think the, the, the problem should be approached. But when you think about the, the sort of competitive landscape of all orchestrators, just talk me through, like, how Nick sees that world and sort of what buckets and, and compartments you see as you look across that that landscape.
1: Totally. So orchestration has evolved in a really interesting way over the last year so to speak. So I would classify there's sort of four modern orchestrators that people are evaluating if they're building a greenfield data platform today. So that would be Airflow, which is the dominant incumbent, Prefect, Dagster, and Flight. And you could also just bucket Flight as a Kubernetes native orchestrator because there's Kubeflow and some Argo and some other solutions. So I kind of bucket that in one different bucket. And so I would say a year and a half ago, those projects looked much more similar than they are now. And they've kind of gone their separate ways. Like Airflow is a task-based static DAG orchestrator, you know, and they are continuing to go along that path. Flight is definitely more functional, meaning that like functional programming style, but very tied to the Kubernetes ecosystem and very targeted towards machine learning use cases. And then you have Prefect and Dagster, and Prefect has a new 2.0 release that they used to call Orion. And that's actually gone a quite different direction that's far more imperative and far more general. So you can almost write completely generalized code that's less of a dag and more of a state machine. I actually think it's a pretty cool approach, but they're really it's really generalized and more imperative. And I think also as a result, more operationally complicated, and we're going to see how that plays out we've actually gone the completely different direction instead of being more general we are more specialized on the data platform use case meaning like cr- the creation of data assets and therefore we have built in support for backfills asset observability data observability lineage and so on and so forth so we're going a much more kind of declarative model targeted towards a specific use case so you really see this landscape opening up i think it's good i think it gives practitioners, like a very, you know, a lot of choice and they can be like, if I believe this, I will go with this solution. If I believe another thing, I will go with this solution. I think it's actually pretty healthy for the ecosystem.
0: Well, Nick, it's been really great to chat with you. I always enjoy when we have a chance to catch up and congrats on the launch of for Cloud again and the growth of the project. Look forward to seeing you around the community soon. Thanks,
1: Pete. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Zero Prime Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Nick Schrock. If you'd like to learn more about Nick or Dagster, you can find Nick on Twitter at SchrockN, that's S-C-H-R-O-C-K-N, or you can find Dagster on the web at dagster.io. If you'd like hearing from engineer founders on the cutting edge of enterprise startups and developer tools, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the show. We'll see you next time.